pull yourself up a chair and join us at the Energy Roundtable. Welcome to Energy Roundtable, uh, the weekly discussion where my colleague and I, Lisa Katz, talk about the news and notes from the week in energy. Lisa, welcome. Thank you, Matt. How are you today? I'm good. And you? I'm good. Thank you very much. Uh, we have both been uh, swamped, uh, busy uh, in the space, so this might be a, a shorter version, but it's always good to keep the rhythm. Um, and I'll let you go first. What's your first article? Okay, it sounds good. So this one is titled, uh, Google Goes Green. It's by uh, UExec. And uh, basically, it's uh, an article that's talking about how many big firms have pledged to reduce their environmental impact but an effort by Google is also encouraging or engaging uh, their consumers. And so apparently Google Maps will default to the most eco-friendly route, regardless of the distance. It's a feature Google's CEO believes is equivalent to the removal of 200,000 cars from the road a year. The feature is currently operational in the US and will be available in Europe in 2022. They do not say when it's gonna be available in Canada, so boo on the article on that. Um, but basically, Google looks to use AI to fine-tune traffic lights and cut delays by 10 to 20%. And other green features will allow travelers to search for hotels and commitments to sustainability and for flights with lower emissions. So I, I actually give this article a big thumbs up, um, mainly because, you know, a lot of the um, articles that we talk about on a weekly basis, they're really talking about the company's individual you know, peace in terms of their contribution to climate change and and to sustainability. And obviously, you know, Google being kind of a tech firm, they're going to have to go to their, you know, their customers. But the fact that they're doing something about this and they're enabling a feature that allows people to be a little more um, careful, you know, you know, with planning their routes and uh, doing their part, I think is uh, is wonderful. So big kudos to uh, to Google for thinking out of the box on this one. Yeah, it uh, wouldn't be the first time and not the last time those guys uh, over there uh, think outside of the box. Um, <laughs> yeah. I guess I, I'm assuming that it's a feature like toll roads that you can toggle on and off. Um, that if you, if you want to go on a, a, a less eco-friendly uh, route. But what is interesting is like if they can if they can start to if if the system is sophisticated enough to to manage multiple cars and and really manage you know idling and 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 uh, traffic jams then it starts to get really really interesting and then you of course the second layer of discussion is that evs in particular are really good with ai and and you know self-driving and then we're you know then it really starts to get uh exciting and, and when it's done at the behavioral level um you know that that's where there's a lot of opportunity to really uh, to really drive emissions out so that's very cool what, what, uh, where was the article it's uh from uexec I actually don't normally pull articles from this source, but I happened to actually get something in my inbox and took a look at it, uh, which is just perfect timing for today. Uh, sure. But yeah, it's called UExec. It's uh, Y-O-U and then E-X-E-C dot com. Google goes green is the headline, right? You got it. That's right. Cool. Uh, my headline, uh, and I only have one today. Uh, like I said, I was swamped. Uh, this is... Um, a kind of a cool announcement, a recent announcement. The DOE, the Department of Energy in the U.S., invests 45 million real American dollars to decarbonize the natural gas power and industrial sectors using carbon capture. Um, so this announcement is uh, funding for 12 projects to advance what they call point source carbon capture. So um, 
there are carbon capture technologies that basically just take it out of the air wherever it is. Um, trees do the same thing. Uh, but this is at the source. So where it's, you know, basically the stack. Uh, we often talk about being stack chasers, uh, looking for these stacks. This is uh, taking carbon out of the stack. Um, and, and really what the DOE has acknowledged is that to get to the Biden-Harris uh, administration goals of net zero by 2050 and 100% clean electricity by 2035, um, you need a, a portfolio of, of innovative solutions. And so um, the, uh, the current, uh, bears mentioning um, that the current Secretary of Energy is Jennifer Granholm. Hope I pronounced that right. Anyways, I've heard her speak um, extremely knowledgeable and, and really uh, forward thinking in this. And the, the projects are in three categories, carbon capture, R&D, um, engineering scale testing, and then uh, engineering design for carbon capture systems. So there's a whole myriad of um, different projects, 12 in total. Uh, there's some cement plants. As we a lot of us know, cement is by definition through the chemical reaction releases a lot of CO2. So yeah, cement is something we need, but it also is a big CO2 emitter. So a lot of it's going to different cement. Um, petrochemical, there's a shell uh, site that is uh, looking at designing CO2 capture. Um, and then GE is getting um, quite a bit of, uh, of funds, a big, big American company to, to really uh, look at the carbon capture behind a lot of their power gen uh, equipment. And then, and then some universities, University of Kentucky as well. So, I mean, it, on one hand, it doesn't look like a lot of money in the American context, $45 million. But on the flip side, I think it's, you know, this is this could be seed money that really launches some things in, in the right direction. And, and, you know, I think both of us would agree that carbon capture is going to be required because, you know, we have this option to take it out before or after, right? And I think we have to do both. We can't eliminate it altogether because we need the reliability that uh, carbon-based technologies uh, can give us. So be interesting to see where this goes. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, that's great. And of course, we're looking into as a firm, you know, carbon capture utilization storage. And uh, as you were talking about being a stack chaser, I just couldn't help but think about, you know, you have a CHP system that is fueled with renewable natural gas delivered through, you know, any of the pipeline systems. And then you have carbon capture utilization storage on that, right? And and all of a sudden you're not just carbon neutral, you're carbon negative. Right. And so the the impact that you know CCUS technology will have, you know, moving forward with different technologies is just is just gonna amazing, I think. So um, no, it's cool. Very cool. Awesome. You got one more for us? I have one more. Unfortunately, this is also a bit short. So uh, you and I didn't uh, didn't uh, strategize, I guess, well on this one. But that's okay. Um, so this one is McDonald's to cut emissions by 2050. It is. Uh, it just got into or, or came out of the uh, Toronto Star on October the 5th in the business section. And basically, they're suggesting that in the statement, the Chicago company said it would speed up the process of reducing its carbon footprint across restaurants, offices, and its supply chain by setting new targets in collaboration with the nonprofit science-based target initiative, which for those who don't know a lot about it, in fact, I didn't know a lot about it, but this article does does talk a little bit about it as well. Um, they're basically suggesting that the United Nations scientists say the world's net emissions must fall to zero by uh, 2050 to limit the rise in global temperatures to no more than 1.5 degrees Celsius versus pre-industrial levels. And uh, essentially, McDonald's uh, team, the worldwide team, will be looking to innovate in areas of renewable energy, regenerative farming, 
circular economy and sustainable packaging. And they're doing this because they're trying to send a signal to their partners, their investors, suppliers, other brands, the global community, policymakers, that you know they share the vision like many other organizations who have signed up to the science-based target initiative. And what I kind of like about it, uh, this particular article is when we think about you know, some of the areas they've mentioned here, renewable energy, a lot of us think about, we've been talking about renewable natural gas and hydrogen, uh, you know, it could be solar PV, it could be solar thermal, um, you know, a whole, you know, myriad of technologies. Um, regenerative farming starts to kind of go a little bit, a level deeper, right? Uh, and then, you know, sustainable packaging, people think it's like, they don't, people don't really kind of think too much about that when we're talking about uh, reducing climate change, but that small change can make such a major impact. So I, I like it because it's showcasing some of the smaller stuff that we can do and how that will have a big, big impact and how, you know, again, looking at more individual technologies like RNG or whatever, not that they've mentioned it here in these art, this article, but just under the renewable energy category, you know, they're thinking about it on a broad scale as well. So. That's what caught my attention anyways. All, all I can say is I'm loving it, right? That's the, that's the, <laughs> that's the McDonald's slogan, right? Yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, if anybody can do, you mentioned early on, they're trying to do, they're trying to progress faster. I mean, if anybody can do things faster, it's, it's McDonald's. Um, so, so it'd be exciting to see them accelerate. And I'm glad they mentioned farming because, you know, I think there's still beef in their hamburgers somewhere and, uh, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of emissions associated with that part of the agricultural industry. And um, so, yeah, it, it gets into that lesson. And it's a good reminder of scope one, scope two, scope three. So if you picture your local McDonald's, scope one is, um, you know, the natural gas that they're burning on site to, you know, drive the, the, the hot oil vats or the heating in the back in the winter. The scope two is the electricity that's coming in from the local utility and scope three is this all the food that's coming in and all the um the packaging material and all the stuff and that's massive for them right so to hear that yep. they're tackling that and taking a science-based approach um it'll be interesting to see uh, that they've I, I read a case study on them the other day more on the business side but how they've really turned themselves around uh, as a company and doubled down on service and product quality. And this looks like it's just the next step uh, on their, on their evolution forward. So uh, great, cool. Uh, good, good articles today, albeit a little bit shorter, but that's okay. Um, and uh, maybe we'll have a bit of a <clears throat> lengthier discussion around our round table, <laughs> around our face off, sorry. Um, Mark Charbonneau, our, our producer extraordinaire is uh, going to lead us through our face off. Hello, well, guys. How you doing? I'm well. How are you guys? Good, good. So I thought we'd go way off base here and uh, our face-off topic being uh, colonization of Mars. I'm sure you guys have seen all these billionaires flying out to space and uh, Elon Musk, I've listened to a podcast recently with him on it because he's, he's so interesting to listen to. And that was one of his things, talking about trying to colonize Mars. So um, that will be our face-off topic, um, pros and cons of colonizing Mars. And I will let... Um, Matt, call the coin toss. Ed. Uh oh, I dropped it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all that, all that gravity on Earth here. It's, it's tails. <laughs> it was tails. 
Does that mean Lisa? I go? Yeah, what sorry. You, that that you, means, can you hear me? Okay, I couldn't even remember what Matt had called. Yeah. So this is a hard one, Mark, because uh, this is kind of out of my area of expertise. Not that most of our face or a lot of our face-offs are in my area, but I actually yeah. had to like look this one up and kind of come up with some points. So, oh, really? Uh, I'm going to take the con side. So... I think that you know some of the cons are first of all there's complete there are completely different living conditions on Mars. It's extremely cold, freezing cold on Mars, and so humans need protective equipment before they go outside. And that's like I don't know about you, but I mean I I wouldn't want to be dressing up for you know sub temperatures every time I go out there. I I like the summer and the warmer months, but anyways that's besides the point. Um, I think some scientists believe that uh, efficient life on Mars will not be possible. And I think there's just a big risk to human life, including if we need to return from Mars after, you know, being on Mars for a substantial period of time, um, you know, having the higher gravitational forces uh, on Earth than than what there is on Mars uh, could certainly have some, you know, high, uh, high health impacts. Um, I think we also need to be thinking about you know, potentially destroying existing life forms. We talk about existing life forms on, on Mars. Are we going to be interfering with that? Is that going to create, you know, even potentially some form of a war or who knows what, right? Like that would look like, because frankly, we don't know what it would look like. It's just a big unknown, right? So, I mean, I think, and as, as you can tell, like I can only prepare so much for this particular topic. I just don't think we're ready to go to Mars at this point. Um, and then, I mean, I guess the other thing that I was, thinking about as we were thinking about all of these, you know, Elon Musk's, you know, visiting space and that sort of thing. There's been a lot of controversy around that lately about climate change and, you know, some of the, so, so again, maybe we're going to get there with some renewable fuels and we can get there with some electrified spaceships, who knows, but uh, I don't, just don't think we're ready to do it. So let's not be doing that now. And I think that the money can be better used to solve our, the current problems that we have here on planet earth. Yeah. Well, I, actually, Elon Musk said that by 2026, he expects that humans will be landing on Mars and uh, potentially hanging out for a little while there. Not quite uh, colonizing, but anyways. Well, uh, so uh, one of Lisa's early points were she um, she doesn't want to go. She doesn't want to have to wear protective equipment to go outside. So I don't know. What <laughs> world, I don't know what world she's living in, but we're already doing that, Lisa. Um, so, you know, we would just, we would just normalize that too. Um, you know, COVID would never, uh, would never survive on Mars. Uh, that's pretty good. That's a, that's a bonus, I think. Um, you know, I, 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 one, one obvious benefit would be, uh, for those who are fans of the Netflix show away, we would, uh, we would find out what happened to commander Emma Green and her crew that landed on Mars. Um, little, I don't know if you guys clearly haven't seen it. It's the Hillary Swank show on Netflix. It's quite good, actually. Uh, they go to Mars and it was never extended for a second season. So they land. We don't know what happens, whether they came back. It's very, <laughs> really? tra very the tragic. The show couldn't have been that good, Matt. No, was, yeah, 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 I know. Or she was asking for uh, too much money for the second season or what. But anyways, why to go to Mars? Um, I, you know, I think one of the, I think, I think humans, uh, we need to be prepared to do big things. We need to be prepared, uh, and, and and historically we have, right? If we didn't do the big thing of sailing across the ocean, set aside all the bad things that all those people did, uh, we wouldn't be here in North America. We wouldn't have expanded. If we didn't do big things like go to the moon, uh, we wouldn't have, you know, beaten the snot out of the Russians in the Cold War. We wouldn't have developed all this new technology, more importantly. And so I think 
we have to take these big risks as uh, people and as society. And if there's guys who have shitloads of money, can we swear on this show? I forget. Sure. I think, yeah. <laughs> he can um, bleep it out if not. We can just bleep it out. That's right. Guys who have lots and lots of money, people who have lots and lots of money, if they want to do stuff uh, that isn't directly making them more money, but it's furthering society, uh, I think kudos to it. We still have beautiful... Uh, Catholic church, churches all throughout Europe that are pay, were paid for by wealthy benefactors just because they wanted to uh, do something great. And I think going to Mars is like that. Um, I, I think, you know, it's like any good portfolio. You want to diversify as as we as a species continue to multiply and adapt. Uh, I think we need different areas. Who knows what kind of metals and resources we're going to find there. Uh, but I think the biggest reason is we need to stretch ourselves. Who knows what kind of innovation that we develop as we go to Mars that we can adapt uh, here on Earth. Um, and, you know, I'm a big uh, Star Wars fan, as a lot of people know. So my desire to see that become a reality, that's just the next step towards that. So uh, I think there's and, you know, those who bet against Elon Musk in the past um, didn't do very well. I'm not about to start now. So a lot of, <laughs> lot of good reasons for us to go to Mars. That's so interesting. Um, Matt, you're a good salesman. Um, yeah, I think I gotta I gotta give it to Matt. I was with you, Lisa, on um, not wasting our time and spending our resources on on our own planet, but yeah, Matt convinced me. I think. Uh, I know. I was as I, I was listening to him. I was thinking, man, I'm gonna have to step up my game. I've lost a couple <laughs> of <these> now. <laughs> yeah. So I think yeah, let's colonize it. Let's do it. That's my thought well, on that. <laughs> it, it you know it, the world is changing so dramatically, but it brings you know it brings a question like who becomes. You know, do we see a repeat of okay, we we go there, we colonize, and then do we have a do we have a Mars crater tea party like we had the Boston Tea Party? Like, do we have <laughs> do we have a revolution, a Mars revolution? Yeah. They become their own. Like, it's just fascinating to, to to think about what could happen, right? And I, too many times we just do incremental change, and and Mars is is not incremental change. So I hope I I hope we see it uh, in our life in our collective lifetimes. So yeah. Uh, well, great, great, Mark. As, going to, so. Yeah, it could be. Let's hope so. And uh, for our listeners, Mark uh, always comes up with these uh, face-offs. They're very fun. Um, so, Mark, thank you, as always. Uh, Lisa, thank you for, uh, as always, doing, uh, albeit slightly more prep than me this time. Uh, <laughs> thank you for your prep. And uh, we will be together uh, again uh, next week, as always. And to our Canadian listeners, have a very uh, happy Thanksgiving. I think all of us have uh, at least something, uh, but many things typically to be thankful for. So uh, enjoy time with friends and family, and we'll see you all again soon. Awesome. Or, or this, That's this is one. probably better. Right? <laughs> Bye guys. Bye.